Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am very excited to talk about this topic. This has been something that if you've been following along on Instagram, you've seen me diving into these things just last week on Saturday. I was sitting down drinking coffee and ended up going into a spiral of rabbit holes surrounding deep CIA experiments with psychic powers, as well as the declassified Project Stargate documents, which outline some of those psychic powers and some things, some crazy, unbelievable, supernatural things that were happening in the CIA. So we are absolutely going to dive very deep into those today. I'm very excited to discuss this topic and hear your guys' thoughts on these things um, and to share some new things about the podcast. So stick around for that. We're also going to touch on some more current events, a couple things there, but I have so many tabs open on my <laughs> on my laptop right now um, surrounding these CIA documents. Uh, we'll see if we even have time to get into them all, and we may even have to do a, a part two, but don't, don't quote me on that. I don't know how, how long this is going to go today, but there's a lot to dive into around the CIA documents. So we're going to touch lightly on some current events, and then we're going to dive right into those CIA documents. So again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. Uh, go ahead and click that subscribe button. If you're not already subscribed, I would appreciate it so much. It would mean the world to me. Um, good karma just comes right back around for you. And at this very moment, there's nothing more that you could do in your life that would give somebody else as much joy as you could give me just by pressing a button. It's, it's literally that simple. That's all you got to do. And it, and it means so much. So go ahead and press that subscribe button for me, whether you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, please consider leaving a five star review. Um, we had somebody leave a one-star review a few weeks ago, and you guys just came through in droves and uh, doubled our five-star ratings, um, and it drove us right back up to that five-star review as I looked at it today. So thank you so much for that. And if you would, go ahead and leave a review if you have not already. Again, it made the world. So thank you so much. We're going to jump right into things today, though. And the first topic that we're going to talk about is going to be, uh, recently this week, um, Yuri Gagarin's name was censored from the Space Symposium concert conference concert. I don't know how many astronauts play instruments. Yuri Gagarin's name was censored from the Space Symposium conference. So Gagarin was a uh, Soviet cosmonaut, so an astronaut who basically was one of the, the, the first human ever to travel to outer space. And specifically, given in light of these current events, they have completely decided to scrub his name from everything 
like he wasn't the first human ever <laughs> to to go to space just because of war. Um, so I find this to be pretty interesting because you know the, the, everybody's taking a, a side on this, and and if we just scrubbed everybody who ever had to do with any society ever who engaged in warfare, we would have no public history ever. Everybody would be scrubbed, right? Every single country in the world has been in some type of war situation. And so it's just funny to me that because of this this situation, they're now deciding to go after um, this astronaut. So let's go ahead and read this article. It says, the first man in space, Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, has been stripped of his honors by the Space Foundation, which censored his name, quote, in light of current events. <laughs> I like that. In light of current events, in, in in light of this war that's happening that we are trying to push so heavily, we decided to censor this astronaut from the, you know, what is it, the 70s. So it says the organization which runs the annual Space Symposium Conference in Colorado Springs sees attendance of top level representatives from the international space community, including 160 space companies, 100 speakers and thousands of participants. In a now-deleted note highlighted by Futurism, the Space Foundation said that it was removing Yuri Gagarin's name from its annual uh, Yuri's Night and replacing it with a celebration of space, discover what's next at the conference. The focus of this fundraising event remains the same to celebrate human achievements in space while inspiring the next generation to reach for the stars. The deleted note states, The move was made in solidarity with Ukrainian people and Russians special military operation in the country, and perhaps a need to do something, it goes on to say, as several other organizations and corporations have done so in the recent weeks. Earlier this month, the CIA International Cat Federation banned Russian cats from participating in its international competition, calling the attack on Ukraine an unprecedented act, <laughs> unprecedented act of aggression. So um, let's definitely get rid of those kitty cats who are, you know, causing so much damage in this war. It's worth noting that Ukraine, like Russia, was a part of the USSR, which Gagarin represented. Indeed, Ukraine's Chechriv Stadium was renamed Yuri Gagarin Stadium by the Soviets and continues to be referred to as such. Erasing the name of the first person to fly ever into space, while supposedly celebrating human achievements in space, is bad enough. The Space and Technology publication continued, but doing so in line with the milquit, milquitoast? What the hell? <laughs> Trend of disavowing all things Russia, including famous composers and food products amid the country's current invasion of Ukraine, is just outrageous. And that was said um, in a continuing statement surrounding, uh, noted by Futurism, that article they referenced, which it says, originally, it's a rather dubious show of solidarity to the Ukrainian people. Um... A completely different country from the modern-day Russia. So Gagarin wasn't even a part of Russia. <laughs> he was a part of the USSR um, before they split off. Um, and, and they go on to make a good point that what is this doing, right? Like, wh why why do we feel the need to take somebody who had absolutely nothing to do with the situation? I've seen this all around. Like, you're seeing, like, Russian uh, MMA fighters. You're seeing people all around the country, uh, different sports athletes. And, and, and I believe there was a tennis star who, got, who was not allowed to participate in a tennis tournament specifically because he's Russian. That, to me, sounds a bit racist 
or nationalist. I don't know what the right term is for that, but it's it's some sort of ist. <laughs> it definitely is. You you can't take somebody's country and just completely eliminate them from conversations because of things their world leaders are doing. I I, I don't think that there's a specific instance where that's acceptable at this point. Um, and, and I don't see how this has gotten to this point where they're literally not allowing Russian cats to participate in cat competitions, <laughs> let alone completely eliminating the, the, the very first man into space from the history books because of a modern day war. Uh, it seems rather ridiculous to me. However, I think we're going to see more of this. Like I said, you've seen like sports athletes, you're seeing people all around the, the, the world who are trying to like disassociate themselves from this little liberal push towards, you know, vilifying anything that has to do with Russia. Um, so, you know, we'll probably see more of this. And it's, it's sad to see and it makes no sense to me. Right. Like if you're going to eliminate somebody based on their nationalistic association and that nation having to do with war, we would have no culture. We would have no history because every country ever <laughs> has been involved in war. It's a sad fact about humanity. And, and just because they come from a nation or a government which decides to invade another country does not mean that their accomplishments are any less for doing so. Interesting. Now, speaking of accomplishments and accomplishments that, that are, uh, are grand, let's talk about some lesser grand accomplishments and the accomplishments of that of Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas, if you don't know who Leah Thomas is, is a swimmer, an Ivy League swimmer, and she was formerly a he, <laughs> and, and now she is a she who participates in she sports and is just absolutely obliterating every other woman in these Ivy League swimming competitions. So it goes on to say that Leah Thomas roundly mocked for unfairly participating in NCAA's women's swimming competitions. If you support this, you are actively participating in the willful disruption of women's sports and women's rights to fairness and equality, wrote British commentator Pierce Morgan. It's shameful. Now, I've seen a bunch of people commenting on this. I, I really don't see very many people at all. And it might be because I'm in some sort of, you know, Instagram echo chamber where I don't follow very many liberal voices. And if you have some that make sense to you, send them to me. I'd love to follow them. Um, we're just in a weird time where this like partisanship is so hardly divided. And, and, and there's so little people who are willing to speak out on these topics that are so outrageous and so hard to defend that they know they have no ammunition. You know, and, and so, again, I don't want to stonewall that conversation. If you know somebody who is talking about these things who I should be listening to that is on the other side of the spectrum, I would love to hear their opinions. But as of right now, it's very hard to see this side of things. I, I, I literally cannot see how you can justify this man, this physical man. I don't I, I can't speak to their personal beliefs and their, you know, their conscious construction of who their gender really truly is. Um if you want to get deeper into the conversation, but I can speak on this person's physical attributes. And this is a man's body who is participating in these women's sports. And you can see it like he's, he's not even sandbagging. Like this guy could, could at least or girl, she, he, she could be sandbagging. Right. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful with the pronouns things. Like if you know, I don't really give a shit. If you want me to call you a, she, you want me to call you a, you want me to call you blue and you're white, you know, whatever, do you, you know, and I'll probably fuck it up a bunch of times. And if you yell at me, I'm probably going to yell back at you, but you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of this shit, but again, 
it's, this is fucking ridiculous. If you have shoulders that are like this, and you also happen to have testicles, <laughs> maybe you should be participating in the male sports. And, and that's the case in this situation. You see it. Like, you see this guy. He was, like, number 435 overall NCAA men's swimming. And now he's literally smashing every single record put in front of him for these women's swimming events. And it was sad to see because you see that these other women are out there standing on these podiums, like second, third, and then fourth place doesn't even get to participate. Like how many, how much of this, this woman's lives, this fourth place individual in these Ivy League swimming comp, NCAA championships, worked their whole lives to get to this place, worked their asses off to get here. And now some man jumps in the water and whoops their ass because he's physically created differently than the women's bodies were at birth right? Bone density is different. Muscle structure is different. Completely different, right? And so if you understand that, you have to know that this is just completely unfair, right? And, and, and where, you know, if you want to be a true feminist, like feminism is sticking up for women's rights and, and they're just being fucking trampled on. Like women's rights is being literally, I, oh my gosh, if this was my daughter in fourth place on this podium, you know, and you heard it in the audience, there was people actually booing Leah Thomas. Um, and so good for them. So let me let me finish a little reading a little bit about this article for you guys. So University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas, a biological male who identifies as female, destroyed the competition at the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship 500 yard freestyle on Thursday. Thomas, when prompted a barrage of comparisons to a South Park episode in which a transgender wrestler fashioned <laughs> after the late Randy Savage dominates the competition in women's sports. And I actually heard about this South Park episode more recently, so I'm going to have to go check it out. Um, but it sounds quite comical to me. Um, so as detailed by the Daily Wire, Thomas completed or competed against males before switching over to women's sports by identifying as a woman and has dominated the space since then. All the best women are men, said Ben Shapiro, who added, Joanna Man is a documentary. Joanna Man is a, com a comedy about struggling basketball player who pretends to be a woman so he can win at the sport by defeating members of the fairer sex. That is, I, I can't believe I didn't remember that, that movie, Joanna Man. That's hilarious. Um... If you don't remember Joanna Man, I, I want to go back and watch it now because it's this 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 uh, movie about a, a basketball player who pretends to be a woman so he can just go smash the women's basketball teams. Um, so that's a great a great comparison. So here's a video by Sports Center that is taking this man, biological man, seriously in his uh, intellectual pursuit to smashing women in swimming. So here is this video for you guys measure up to your expectations coming into this meet tonight? I, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for this meet. I was just happy to be here trying to race and compete as best as I could. You've undoubtedly been under the spotlight over the past few months. How have you been dealing with that and reasoning with everything? I try to ignore it as much as I can. I try to focus on my swimming, uh, what I need to do to get ready for my races, and just try to block out everything else. What did that race mean to you? It's, it means the world to, to be here, be with two of my best friends and teammates, and be able to compete. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. Leah, how did that performance measure? <laughs> so, the, she was, the interviewer was almost uh, tapped by this 
biological man's Adam's apple in this interview. <laughs> you could just see it flickering throughout the, every time that he said something. Um, <laughs> all right. So the next part of this conversation goes into the conservative commentator Matt Palumbo quipped. Remember when this was a South Park episode? So Leah Thomas uh, basically just smashed every record. Um in the South Park episode, basically, what, what ends up happening is uh, the strong man, a masculine man fashioned after WWE wrestler Randy Savage blows away the competition. In one of the scenes, the clearly male character takes first place and stands on the podium next to two beaten down women who he bested. Thomas's win is also mocked by the Babylon Bee satirical website, which wrote, After watching Leah Thomas, little girl adjusts dreams to just winning second place at the Olympics. I saw a, I saw another Babylon Bee post that said something about um, after Leah, what is her name? Um, Leah Thomas tests positive for having testicles. <laughs> she is banned from women's sports. Um, it also says if you support this, you are actively participating in a willful disruption of women's sports and women's rights to fairness and equality. So that was Pierce Morgan. So I, I just, you know, and even Bruce Jenner, right? Or Kendall Jenner. We're not Kendall Jenner, right? What is it? Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Sorry. Hell yeah. Caitlyn Jenner. Like, is sticking up for it and, and said, you know, sticking up for um, the women's sports and just saying that it's not fair, right? Like, go look up when Caitlyn was a man and look up her times of her sprinting. It's like, it blows away, probably even close to today's times. And that was back in the 70s. So... You know, or they're decathlons, sorry. So, it, it, and so he has a real-life experience of talking on the subject. And not just talking out of her ass. You know, and I'll respect that, you know. is it, it, She's speaking up in this situation and saying this isn't right. It's not, this is not good for sports. It's not good for women. You know, the, this year, a woman won, woman of the, or a man, a biological man won woman of the year. And a biological man just smashed every record in women's swimming. And, and, and if you watch him swimming, or her swimming, sorry guys, I'm going to fuck this up. And whichever side of your spectrum you're on, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just kind of talking about these things. Um, her swimming, she's just smashing everybody. She's literally lengths, like a, a pool lap length ahead of every other woman who's around her. And just crushing the competition like couldn't she just like lay off the gas a little bit like she's just like just like just trying to be the the michelle phelps of of women's ncaa swimming smashing all of these records um so i think it's a sad day for women's sports i think i would be extremely upset if i was the parent of one of these women and it was sad to see the fourth place person have to go stand on the podium with the second and third place person um away from leah during this competition. Um, it's it just, it's a sad sight to see and it's not good for women. I, I would be very upset if I was a parent. I'd be very, even more upset if I was competing and I was a woman and, and, and just got, just, just no, there's no reason that this should be happening and there's no way to combat it. It's like this, and, and feminists should be literally yelling at the mountaintops. If there was one thing that you guys, the hill you should fucking die on, it's the one where a man shouldn't be able to smash all of these women in their own sports. Like there's a reason there is divisions. Why not just have it be unisex, right? Why not just have literal unisex NCAA divisions then? There's your solution. Oh, because then it would just be a man sport again because they would only bring on men. 
right? They would only have men on the team to begin with. You wouldn't have to play these silly little linguistic games, and then women would be left out. There's a reason that there's a division, there's a line between men's sports and women's sports. There is a reason for it. There is biologically a reason for it. And, and if you do not believe this, science, go speak to a biologist about the difference between a man and a woman. The difference between testosterone and estrogen. Between the bone density of a man, the muscle structure of a man. And, and just because a man decides to become a, to, to identify as a woman. I don't know what Leah Thomas's situation here is. If she's actually transitioned, if she still has a dick, if she's taking hormones, if she's, you know, estrogen blockers, all of that stuff, testosterone blockers, whatever it is that she's doing. I hope she's doing something to have to have to qualify for this other than saying I'm a man or I'm a woman. Sorry. Um, that makes no sense. And, and it's really, truly terrible for women's sports. And it makes me, you know, really upset from a parent's perspective that this is even possible. Um, so those are my two cents. Those are some recent topics. Now, some of the other things that we can touch on was that the Ukrainian president stood in front of um, basically the world at this, you know, congressional or not congressional, but I don't know, whatever hearing this was. And uh, basically went on a rant about how he needed this no-fly zone. And the no-fly zone means, if, if you're mistaken about this, you know, he's, his cry basically to the United States about putting up a no-fly zone around, around Ukraine. If we put up a no-fly no zone, and there's been a few people in politics who have been talking about this, if we put up a no-fly zone around Ukraine, that means we are engaging in war the second that any fighter jets fly over Ukraine from Russia. And they're already there. They're already doing this. They're flying over right now. The second that we call it no-fly zone, we are engaging ourselves in this war. And that is not something that we want right now. Again, how many times have we heard World War III get thrown around? And now the fact that China's escalating with Taiwan and has said that anybody that intervenes about Taiwan will be met with consequences. And then China decided to fund Russia. And it's just saying, do something about it. Right? So now we have Russia, China, India, the, the UAE, all basically doing business together and finding ways to skirt around the USD, the, the dollar being the financial way of, of um, transacting, which we're going to see the effects of, the, the very harsh effects of the, the three biggest powers of the world around the United States, China, Russia, India are now all going to start to find a way to, out, to skirt around using the dollar. That's scary. So, again, just a touch on those things for you. That means World War III. And that is the last thing that we want. All right. So let's get into the meat of this episode. Let's talk about these things. Let's dive into some of this CIA documents surrounding the declassified Project Stargate as well as the when the CIA experimented with psychic powers, which has to do with that Stargate. And then there's also some other uh, articles that we'll discuss surrounding this. And so the very first thing we're going to do is watch this little video, this little clip I found from the 1970s. It was a 60 minutes on this that I found to be pretty cool. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. 60 minutes. Rewind. Who among us hasn't had the unsettling experience of thinking about someone when suddenly the phone rings and that person is calling? Or how many times have we heard about a friend who wakes up in the middle of the night with a premonition, sometimes tragic, that later comes true? These psychic phenomena and others like them are increasingly the object of scientific research in the United States and around the world. 
60 Minutes set out to chronicle some of that research. In a research laboratory in Brooklyn, sliced ping-pong balls over a woman's eyes fill her vision with opaque light. All she can hear is the sound of waves crashing against a shore. In a room next door, a man is suspended in a contraption called the witch's cradle, his eyes covered, his earphones playing constant static. These two are clearing their minds. They are going through something called sensory deprivation, preparing them for an ESP experience. In the Soviet Union, a film tells of a Russian woman who claims she can move objects across a table without touching them by means of psychokinesis, the energy that pours out of her fingertips, a phenomenon that defies the laws of physics. Are these things real? Laboratory-controlled telepathy? Psychic power that can move physical objects? Real or not, they are part of a growing scientific interest in psychic phenomena. I'm going to disconnect now, Tom. If you accept the theory that humans can communicate at an extrasensory level, why rule out a whole other order of living things, like plants? I'm changing frequency. This is the hypothesis of Marcel Vogel of IBM in California. Vogel spends his days at IBM as a hard scientist. But after hours and on weekends, he tries to communicate by psychic force with the plant world. The plant in question is a rather wan split philodendron, which Vogel has hooked up to a polygraph machine. The morning we filmed this, Vogel observed, while one of his colleagues, who claims psychic power, took a trip inside the plant itself. In the psychic world, this is sometimes referred to as out-of-body experience. Now, as we are one with the plant, right. let us now look at the cell structure that is present in the stem of the plant. All right, I'm in the leaf. Let me get down into the stem. Okay, I'm in the stem. Fine. Now, look at the wall. Okay, that just looked ridiculous. He's like sitting there waving his hand uh, as this man's kind of coaching him. And what you'll see throughout this is through Project Stargate. They they basically need somebody that coaches them through this. So it's a two-man job, whether it's remote viewing, whether that's this out-of-body experience thing. Um, it's a two-man job. And then the one man is basically coaching him through what he should be doing while he's in some type of meditative state. And then he's sitting there going, all right, waving his hand like, a, I don't know waving his hand around going all right i'm in i'm in the leaf all right i'm in the base so this looks kind of silly to me but it's it's crazy to me that like what a cool time to be alive in the 70s like and how much cool shit is going on now that we're never going to know about until 50 years from now um you know i want to be a part of these these things like you know set, set me up put me on a polygraph with a plant and i'll i'll get into the 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 leaf <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple minutes left in this, and then we'll, we'll uh, dive into some more of the, the topics here. We're going to talk about the top 10 different uh, of these CIA experiments, top 10 things of that Project Stargate. So, again, stick around for a minute. We'll see how long this, this crazy guy's waving his hand around, but just, just should be another second here. Cells in the stem and describe what you are now seeing. All right, I started out more toward the center of the stem. Now what I'll do is I'll just go back up into the leaf. There I am. I'm in the leaf now. All right, now I'm out. 
We're back up into the leaf. During the trip, right Vogel there. monitors the polygraph to note the philodendron's reaction to the strange visitor. Now what we're going to do is generate energy out to the plant. Let's see what happens. There it goes. That's a response. Send me. The exciting thing is that the plant is not connected to either one of us, but is now a very sensitive monitor of the forces that are within us. It's dark. It's dark. Vogel and his associates believe that plants react to psychic forces around them in a way that can be measured by scientific instruments. An independent research organization in California known as the Stanford Research Institute contracted to study psychic phenomena under laboratory conditions. Last fall, they spent several weeks with a 25-year-old Israeli psychic named Uri Geller, and they cataloged a series of remarkable feats. He went through a series of experiments, but either my skepticism or the presence of okay. two cameras had a negative effect. Although he claims to be able to start broken watches by passing his hand over them, he couldn't start the one we brought with us. But just two days ago in a demonstration, they brought me five watches, and I fixed all of them. Really? Geller asked me to draw a letter while his back was turned. I drew the letter L, and then he drew something similar. Later, while we were not filming, he psychically bent a knife which was on the table. He had not been willing to try this while the cameras were rolling. He asked me to draw an object while he was out of the room, and he tried to read my mind to tell me what it was. Okay, I'm going to put two things that appeared in my mind, and if I'm wrong, you show me what. The first thing that, when I asked, is it a part of a man, the first thing appeared to me was something like this, like this, like this, like this. And then, and then, when you kept repeating the, the, word. the word, a, a bee appeared in my mind, and I might be completely wrong, again I'm saying it to you, and then, and then this changed to another... Okay, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. This changed to some sort of a, a bird or, or something. I'm wrong? And if you're looking at it, what he actually drew was kind of a bird before this. So really interesting. And Ori Geller was an interesting conversation because he was... Uh, kind of, you know, if you if you live in the world of debunking, there was a lot of uh, skepticism around what this guy, the guy did. And um, so interesting that he was just able to call out that bird. Uh, so there was a cool little intro to what we're going to be talking about, whether it's the remote viewing, whether it's, you know, being inside of a plant, uh, but some really far more interesting things than those two things that they just brought up there. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about those. So we're going to talk about the project declassified project Stargate documents. And I'll talk you through what some of these conversations will look like in just a moment. However, I do quickly have something to announce. Now, we've been having troubles with getting pulled off of YouTube. We've been having troubles with our content being pulled off of TikTok and Instagram and uh, just being censored a lot. <clears throat> and, and it's basically heightened over the last few weeks where it's getting to a point where I'm going to have to start to pull back a little bit on some of the more controversial topics I'm talking about so I can stay engaged in these platforms. So what I've decided to do is pull away from YouTube. And YouTube's going to be just some short form clips from the podcast. However, if you want the full video podcast, I have decided to take our platform and a few things that I'm doing and then start to engage with you guys a lot more. And the way that I'm going to do that is by utilizing Patreon. Okay, now the podcast is going to remain free. 
there's still going to be no paid advertisements in this podcast. And we're going to just have a different way for you to engage with me, engage with the podcast and engage with each other, which is one thing I'm like the most excited about for this is to be building on this community in a way that we can all kind of come together uh, in a safer place than we are now and make sure that some of these topics that we're talking about don't result in me losing my platform. So through the Patreon, there's going to be three different tiers, and I'm just going to touch on this briefly. I'm not, you know, don't, you have to skip ahead. It'll just take a minute. Um, but there's going to be three different tiers on the Patreon. The first one, of course, is going to be named the George Soros tier, <laughs> at least for now. And what that's going to do for you is going to give you the full video episode. So the same thing that you would have got on YouTube that we're going to be pulling off of there now because we have had multiple, multiple episodes get uh, basically pulled off of there from YouTube and flagged and this whole thing. Um, so... Um, you'll get the full video episode as well as access to our Discord server. So I just started a Red Pill Revolution Discord server for all of us to jump onto and discuss every single episode. So I basically uploaded a big long list of every single episode on there as general topic discussions. And any of the episodes that you're listening to, you're going to be able to connect with other people who have also recently watched that same episode and discussed those topics, whether it's this current episode that you're listening to or the very, very first episode about assassinations, cover-ups, and the cult of science, you can have a conversation about all of it. Now, I'm going to find some more unique ways to engage with you guys through that platform, but for just $5 on that first tier, you get a full video episode. The full video episode as well as access to that Discord server. $5 a month. That's it. That's it. It's a dollar twenty-five a week, full access to a full community of people just like you that want to talk about these things that are interested in these topics. And I'm so excited <clears throat> to engage with you guys that way. I'll be on the, the Discord a ton, answering questions, just generally engaging in the community, talking about these topics that I love to talk about. And I'm so excited to engage with you guys there in a, in a more live format than what Instagram kind of allows us to do. So for $5, full video episode in the entire uh, Discord server. <clears throat> so you can engage with me, you can engage with the audience, you can talk about any topic that is brought up on the podcast as well as general conversation with like-minded people. On top of that, there's the second tier, which is the Royal Bloodline tier. And we're going to dive into that soon. The Royal Bloodline shit is crazy. If you didn't know it, there's a conspiracy, a conspiracy out there that basically 42 of the 40, however many presidents that have been out there, um, basically are all related. Also related to the same bloodline that goes all the way back to Cleopatra and Julius Caesar. Hmm. Really freaking crazy stuff. So anyways, the royal bloodlines here. We're going we're gonna to dive into that topic eventually. Um, but there's also going to be in that tier that is $15 a month that gives you a fan topic request. So once a week or one or two of the topics that I'm going to touch on will be pulled from the individuals at this tier who will give me the topics to talk about. Send me videos, send me articles, and I will have people vote on which ones we're going to talk about. But they will be 100% user submitted topics that we will discuss. And it will only be um, attributed to by the people that are within this tier at $15 a month. The other thing, and one of the most exciting things that I'm excited about jumping into with you guys, is a weekly live. So if you recall what I did surrounding the um, Joe Biden's recent speech that he did, I forget even the, you know, his, I think it was drawing on his year anniversary, but basically 
uh, I jumped on live for an hour and just discussed it and did a very a live podcast for you guys. So an additional full podcast live where you guys can engage with me every single week. And we're going to talk about the current subject of the t- of the podcast and some current events from that week and, and all of the things that we would want to talk about that are current events on that live video every single week. And again, you get that at the second tier, which is the Royal Bloodline tier for $15 a month on top of getting the full video episode and the community Discord server. And then on top of that, also, you're going to get the um, the Substack. The Substack is going to be moving over to a paid podcast companion basis, and I'm going to bring the cost down to something manageable for just the podcast companion. And so what I'm going to do is if you are in the second tier, the Royal Bloodline tier at $15 a month, you're also going to get free access to the Substack. So you don't have to pay for the podcast companion. I'll just throw your email in there to the paid subscriber level, and it will be included in that Royal Bloodline $15 a month on top of the weekly live podcast and on top of the topic requests, which is pretty fucking cool. Now, the highest tier is going to be the Klaus Schwab tier. (laughs) And if you know about the World Economic Forum, you know why. That is the man pulling the strings in a lot of different ways. And in this uh, tier, basically, you're just going to get a ton of one-on-one attention from me. I'm going to give you a follow on Instagram so I can keep up with your life as well as connect closer um, with you. I'm going to be adding you to my Instagram close friend story, which allows me to have a second tiered story that has some deeper, um, more serious conversations and maybe a little bit more fringe conversations for you guys because I know you're probably not going to be on this tier and be flagging my shit. (laughs) Um, And then I'm also going to have open dialogue with you through Instagram voice conversations and voice chat. So um, really excited about connecting with some of you guys who who really want to, um, you know, get to know each other further, talk about these topics on a one-on-one basis. And that will be done at a $44 a month cost for you guys. So if you want to know me one-on-one, you want to have you know a little bit more uh, close engagement with me, we will do that at the Klaus Schwab level. <laughs> all right. So that will all be done on the Patreon. I'm really excited about connecting with you guys, even if it's just that $5 level where you get the full video episode, you get the Discord server. That's going to be so damn cool to talk to you guys on that on a daily basis and dive deeper into these topics, hear what you guys have to say about it, throw some articles at me, second tier, throw me some of those requests and do that week weekly live with you guys. Um, Super cool stuff. So that can be signed up for right now at patreon.com slash redpillrevolt. Patreon.com slash redpillrevolt. And you can choose which tier, choose which level you want to engage with the community and with myself and go ahead and sign up right now. It would mean the world to me. I am looking to make this my full-time situation by the end of this year. That is my goal to be putting out as much content for you guys. <clears throat> I'm currently talking with several video editors to take some of that um, load off of myself, but I can only do so with your help and with your support, and that will be the best way that you can do it for me. And again, it would mean the world. Any level of those would mean so much to me. So go ahead, patreon.com slash revolt. All right, now let's move on to the topics at hand. The top 10 spookiest declassified project stargate documents all right and number 10 on the list is the navajo necklace 
All right, now some of these I know about, some of them I do not, so, so you'll see some real-time reactions, um, but I'm interested to dive in deeper these. It says, commonly found in the Stargate documents are handwritten records of remote viewing sessions. And if you don't know what remote viewing was, that was a big piece of Project Stargate. Remote viewing is basically a meditative state where you are able to connect with other parts of the universe, other parts of the world, other people, other objects, other things, other places, other times and do it all through these uh, psychic meditative states. Um, and the CIA had many, many successful situations that came from remote viewing. All right, so commonly found in the Stargate documents are handwritten records of remote viewing sessions with simple sketches and graphs. Also known as clairvoyance, remote viewing is the ability to use extrasensory perception to see or sense a far distant object, person, or place. <clears throat> While most of these records of remote viewing experience do not contain much type text, they can be a treasure trove of bizarre insights into daily assignments of Project Stargate remote viewers. Among clairvoyant perspectives are the um, Tung Tunguska event and the Radlisham UFO incident. We found the following unexplained sessions involving an old Navajo necklace. As part of Star Project Stargate remote viewing experiment, Subject 52 was given geographical locations and simple cues to get started. The goal of the experiment was to, to get Subject 52 to successfully describe a part particular object, a silver Navajo necklace stored some distance away. Subject 52 described a complex scene unfolding before her eyes. Unfamiliar architecture framed a foreign-looking, left-handed craftsman who was hard at work making none other than a beautiful gold or steel chain. And that gold or steel chain happened to be this Navajo necklace. And so if you understand what I said before is it's not just about being able to see something in the now. It's about being able to look into the future and possibly also into the past. <clears throat> and in this case, they, they didn't tell the, the subject what was on the side of things, right? They didn't tell them what this necklace was. They gave her just enough information so that she would have to figure it out herself. And through that, she found this Navajo necklace. <clears throat> now, this is, um, I, I'm looking at the CIA document now, and it says something around the lines of the mission. So the mission at the very top says, describe the training target, which was an old silver Indian necklace. It says the viewer's tasking was encrypted coordinates, the following in session cues, shape of interest, um, stage five, your ADL of gold chain. So I don't know what that specifically means. Um, but it says basically, oh, they gave her, uh, clay. So they gave her clay to kind of shape with her hands while she was closing her eyes to talk about the subject. And, and kind of, uh, it was a common theme throughout project Stargate was basically they would give them this clay because it was much better for it to be a tactful, uh, then they wouldn't have to open their eyes and write something down with a pen. Uh, so it says, for fun, I gave Subject 52 use clay to get more information about how the necklace was made. Her information correlates with what is known about the necklace, its history and manufacture. Excellent session. 52 seems ready for stage six. Now it shows uh, the actual picture of the handmade necklace that she wrote out, which is very similar to the actual picture. Now it says a summary of the information. The target is structures and land. There are many odd shapes to this site. The shape has inter that interests me most is the round 
is round. It made me think of a gold chain or a bracelet. So this is her account of what she saw in this, you know, clairvoyant state for this remote viewing when she was supposed to be trying to figure out what the object was that they gave her. And she said, it made me think of a gold chain or bracelet. It is made of some type of steel or metal. It is medium sized, not big or small. At the time that the shape was made, the first started out as a flat rounded shape. So she's describing the process of how they even made this necklace. There's also a long straight thing, but I don't know how it fits. Then the edges of the round shape are curved upward, bowl shaped. This is done by someone banging on it. Then there is a small point in the middle that sticks out. After that, the thing is coated. Two separate pieces of this thing seem to hook together. There's also a sharp pointed angle. Many people seem to be working on this thing. It is bright, shiny, solid, hard, and made of some type of metal. The person banging on this thing is using a hammer. He is left-handed, he has brown hair, and is foreign. Hmm. And then you just, just goes on to show her notes throughout this entire remote viewing session. And so I will also include this in the Substack for this week. So if you don't know anything about the Substack, the Substack basically includes all of the links, all the articles, all the documents from this week's episodes, all the videos. Um, so head over to redpillrevolution.substack.com and you can just directly sign up for the Substack. That's about uh, with the um, discount I put on there. It's about $5 a month. Five sixty six, I think is the cost. Um, so Head over there. You're going to get the full CIA documents as well as the top 10 articles that I'm looking at here. And you can see all of the notes that she put in here sketching this, which is really interesting. Um, all right, moving on. So number nine was humans on Titan and aliens in Alaska. It says in November 1986, a remote viewing subject who was sent to Saturn's moon Titan with his remote viewing reported seeing a base on Titan's surface. Entering the base, the remote viewer found, to her astonishment, that all of the operators were identical to human beings. Hmm. She observed two young, healthy human males working at a control panel supervised by, a, by an attractive female. Funny how she didn't call the two young, healthy human males attractive. Um, anyways, the same document, the subject describes two other sessions, this time on Earth. When sent to Mount Hayes in Alaska, the remote viewer reported seeing two entities working outside a structure. Inside the structure, the remote viewer came across a human-looking technician working as, at a strange machine. The technician couldn't see the remote viewer and invited her to take a look at the apparatus. Wow, so in this specific instance, when she is remote viewing and putting herself in that position, this entity that she saw on Titan, right, the moon of Saturn, noticed her there, could sense her energy <clears throat> and engaged with her, and then invited her to look at this apparatus that he was messing with apparently an even stranger scene met our remote viewer when taking a look at a site somewhere in the southern hemisphere an inhumane robot-like creature and a hairless pale humanoid entity that was aware of her presence also so that's a good question right if we if we do have uh extraterrestrial beings or aliens <clears throat> or you know different types of humans either here or on a moon <laughs> in Saturn. I wonder, you know, obviously in this case, what this type of data that the CIA is presenting to us would tell us is that they do have this um, extra senses, right? The, the, this telepathy so that they can um, somehow engage with people who are engaging with them on this, you know, spiritual or um, psychological remote viewing plane, which is quite interesting. Um now, I do have the CIA document for that, and that will also be included 
in this week's podcast companion. Um, and it says number eight is parapsychology in the USSR. And this is just kind of talking about how seriously they took these things, right? Like these, this is not a joke. This is something that the, the USSR took bill like to modern day billions of dollars and through it at this program they had 30 different scientific um settings set up throughout the ussr that were specifically dedicated during the, the cold war times to this like parapsychic ideology and in, in, in this this actionable use of uh telekinesis and mind reading and clairvoyance and all of this crazy crazy stuff so this was something they took very seriously and there's a reason for it right they're not just you know i i'm sure the government has been guilty of throwing money at useless shit but but in this case, they found very many successful cases that came of this, um, it, which makes it so much more interesting to me, right? Project Stargate showed much promise. And you know, you know, if they're spending the money on doing these things in the 70s, it's such an advanced form of it today, um, especially with the way the technology is. And, and maybe even this, these these connections and in, in the way that they're engaging with these beings and on these other spiritual planes that led to our technology boom. Right. Led to us being, you know, if she's sitting there talking to some being on a different distant universe or plane of existence or on Saturn's moon that has extended technology that we don't have, what's to say they didn't explain to her how some things work or implant it into her consciousness. And she brought that out and talked to the CIA who developed the, the, the materials, who brought that technology to humanity. Crazy shit. <laughs> and maybe... Not at all. And I'm just making stuff up. But um, interesting thought, right? So since the end of World War II, the CIA has kept an unwavering eye on its Russian counterparts. So it's no surprise to find a document entitled Parapsychology in the USSR among the 12,000-page Crest Archives. This document explains that Russian researchers were no nearer the truth about um, this than anyone else prior to the Industrial Revolution, but everything changed after the 1917 October Revolution. In 1922 to 1928, many paranormal research papers were published in Russian research universities, but it was only after the supposed telepathy attacks of the USS Nautilus that the Soviets put their paranormal program into full gear. Interesting. I have not heard about that. Um, telepathy attacks on the USS Nautilus. In no time, Russian psi researchers became both the bane and envy of their CIA counterparts. While parapsychology was never an officially recognized branch of science in the USSR, more than 30 academic centers in Russia were specifically dedicated to the study of this phenomenon by 1967. Their yearly budgets surpassed 13 million rubles. And if we take into consideration Joe Biden's inflation, that's like $3 trillion. <laughs> So they, th you know, between those 40 years that they studied this, that they, you know, but just to, to build this empire of this studying of this science, you know, they spent millions and millions of dollars from the 60s to the 20s, right? Which now today is obviously much more <clears throat> to build more than 30 academic centers in Russia that were completely dedicated to this. Now, number seven is Operation Grill Frame, Grill Flame, sorry, Project Grill Flame. Okay. Now, Project Grill Flame is a really interesting one, and this has to do completely in part with the uh, remote viewing situation. <clears throat> now, somebody commented to me and, and messaged me about a movie. Um, if you remember the movie uh, Men Who Stare at Goats, 
I think was the name of it. <laughs> and he messaged me back and said that he watched it. And he's like, yeah, don't watch it. It's horrible. But it was it was about these CIA experiments in, in some way, shape, or form. But it's a terrible movie, so I'm not recommending it. <laughs> Just to tell you that they're rubbing this shit in your face uh, in, in uh, you know, pop culture. So <clears throat> if you feel like it, you can go watch that movie and tell me how terrible it is. Because I've, I've heard it's terrible. Um, anyways. Project Grillflame was one of the first programs in the early days of Project Stargate. Sought to uncover military applications of psi technology, this assignment was officially conducted by the U.S. Army and INSCOM. But with the release of the Stargate files, it was confirmed that Project Grillflame was run with CIA help from the very beginning. <clears throat> now, one of the CIA's most famous test subjects was a young Army officer no named Joe McManigle an agent who would go on to complete dozens of remote viewing missions for the CIA. Delivered upon the completion of the project in October 1983, the Grill Flame Project Report recommends that a wide variety of psi phenomena be investigated for their potential tactical utility. Now, the most interesting part, and it's not talking about this here, but I'll go ahead and include it um, again in the podcast companion, is the CIA document surrounding Project Grillflame um, in Project Stargate. And so one of the things that interested me the most and that I talked about through my uh, Instagram was surrounding Project Grillflame. And, and, and it goes on to explain how basically the first mission set out by Project Grillflame was set by the Navy. And the Navy wanted them to locate a missing naval ship using a remote viewer, using telepathy. And so this person sat in a room, the very first mission of Project Grillflame, sat in a room, began to meditate, um, <laughs> and located this Navy ship within 15 miles, all while just meditating. 15 miles that they went and found within the location of the geographical coordinates that this individual gave them. <clears throat> And found the naval ship. And how... What? How crazy is that? You think the CIA is just making shit up to put it down on paper? I mean, maybe. But but that's crazy. And they were dumping tons of money into this. So, I'll, I'll talk you through some of these CIA documents surrounding Project Grillflame. So, it says, the question of this Project Grillflame document. And this was written in August of 1981. So, probably a little bit closer than you'd think. Project Grillflame is an Army and DIA jointly financed effort to study novel intelligence collection techniques. The fiscal year of 1982 justification material states that Grillflame studies will help to identify the capabilities and vulnerabilities associated with paranormal phenomenon having military applications. Now, it says that the question is, can you provide a description of Project Grillflame to include the objectives of the project and exactly what paranormal phenomenon DIA and the Army are studying? The answer to that was Grillflame is a planned three-year joint program, which is in its first year between DIA and the Army to investigate in detail certain paranormal phenomena, such as remote viewing and psychokinesis that have potential military applications. <clears throat> Emphasis this year has been on evaluating application potential and limitations of remote viewing, the ability of individuals to mentally collect data at a distance, and phenomenon to evaluate the significance of foreign work, particularly as it may pose a threat to the United States. So they were like seriously worried about the Soviets and their paranormal uh, abilities. 
Now it goes on to talk about how much they were funding, which is $195,000. Um, <clears> the army guidance to O'Keefe was to tell them as little as possible. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, now it goes on to say that is the CIA conducting similar studies to that? So the question is Project Girl Flame is an, okay. Um, is the CIA conducting similar studies? If so, what is the interface between the GDIP and CIA efforts? And it says, although CIA can best answer this question, DIA is not aware of any present program at that agency. DIA, however, does maintain interface with the CIA by keeping them informed of progress of the Grill Flame efforts. <clears throat> so it's just kind of going through like a Q&A in this document between what is going on in the CIA, what is going on in the Department of Justice and the Army, and, you know, why should they be giving them money? for this. And so there is a portion of this that if we can find it discuss discusses a little bit more about the remote viewing itself. Um, and so in this portion, what we'll go on to here is the next portion. So I'll include the project grill flame situation there. And then I'll, I'll include the documents if I can find it again of the naval ship that they found um, and conducted this initial experimenting onto, which I found super, super interesting. Um, and going back to that original conversation about the uh, Titan situation, I'm, I actually am looking at the notes of the individual who was watching this remote viewer or, or potentially even the notes of the remote viewer themselves. Um, talking about the moon of Saturn and the entities that they spoke with on uh, Titan. And again, this is a CIA document directly on the CIA's website. And, it, and it's really, I mean, pretty crazy stuff. So it says, don't know quite, and it's in cursive, so forgive me, it's it's not very good cursive. Don't, don't know quite what to say about this one. Perceived a structure that was very difficult to describe. It seemed very tall and had a lot of... Um, confusing angles about it inside was a spiral staircase descending from the top down to a balcony a platform which where there's very human looking beings were at some sort of control panel two males were seated at the panel which had numerous lighted buttons and several screens that reminded me of something like a radar scope the males appeared to be technicians and the female who stood behind them obsessing appeared to be something like a researcher or a scientist. She appeared to be of average height, dark brown hair to the shoulders, and was wearing a pale green lab coat. Interesting. So aliens wear lab coats. <laughs> when moved to a position 30,000 miles above the structure, there was a large round body visible, which appeared to have a pale greenish halo around it and many rays of yellow and white emitting from it. In the background and to the left of the body was another circular body with rings around it, such as Saturn. Hmm. There is a lingering feeling that this site is some sort of observatory or observation post. So that was the notes surrounding Titan. Interesting. This shit's crazy. If you're not, if your mind's not blown yet, just just wait, because we're on number like seven of this this list here. Now the next thing was Mars exploration. In 1984, Army remote viewer Joe McConaughey, <laughs> that guy's a terrible name, had progressed to the top of the ranks of the CIA remote viewing hierarchy. Among dozens, if not hundreds, of missions geared towards fighting communism and terrorism and instigating foreign regime change, McMonagall was sent on the mission 
quite unlike any of his others. While Joe was staying with longtime CIA-friendly remote viewer Robert Monroe as the property in Virginia, Monroe received instructions from the CIA for a new remote viewing mission. A small envelope was sent, which Robert kept in his shirt pocket unopened. From inside Monroe's specially designed sensory deprivation tank, Joe focused on the sealed envelope in Robert's pocket. Unknown to Monroe or McMonagall, written on the small card inside the envelope were time-space coordinates far away from our own. The planet Mars... One million years B.C. <clears throat> now, what Joe said he saw on the planet Mars in one million years before Christ, he said he saw an old sandy pyramid, so tall it boggles the mind. Later estimated to be some 20 kilometers high or 12 miles high, emerging from a deep depression in the ground. Vast storms swirl around the sky. It seems a cataclysm has occurred. Going back in time is like night and day. The sandy pyramid is now shimmering in a metallic and vague forms of gigantic thin people that can be made out. They say they are an ancient race, doomed to die if those who left in search of another home do not return. Damn. While his handler gave him a few different sets of coordinates to take a look at before Joe fizzled out, his main area of focus was later revealed to be Sidonia region of Mars. Two unexplained geographical locations on this barren Martian plain were first photographed by the Viking 1 spacecraft in 1976, the face of Mars in a mysterious mountain that eerily resembles a giant pyramid. Now, if I recall correctly, and I remember reading this remote viewing session probably a few years ago, I've been interested in this stuff for a while, I remember him actually making contact within the pyramid itself when he goes into this situation. So he remote views and goes in and speaks with these entities and you hear the words that they're saying to him. Um, and he explains something that they later find on the surface of Mars in this pyramid type structure from a million years ago crazy <clears throat> crazy what the fuck is going on in the cia and why wouldn't they tell us about this this is this is nuts and so this man and, and, and i want to find that article just out of my own curiosity again because i literally remember vividly reading this remote viewing session and it opened my eyes to this concept um, and made me interested in it. And I actually found the, so they take you through this training program. When you go through the remote viewing, there's six levels of remote viewing, if I recall correctly. And, and it's kind of an escalation of like finding your telepathic powers in through the first few levels, and then eventually getting to a point where you can identify coordinates and move through time and space and, and see people and connect with people from different times and crazy shit. So he specifically talks to these entities, or if I recall, he was inside of the pyramid and, and spoke to them or, or about how they were basically all doomed to die. Um, and there was not much that he could do about it. So I'm going to see if I can find that because I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but a super crazy um, situation, an envelope Uh that he is some of the envelope specifically was uh, basically gave the um, coordinates for him on there. Uh, so crazy, crazy stuff. Now that to me, if you dive into that one, that might be one of the craziest ones that's on here. Now the next one goes on to say an evaluation of remote viewing research and applications. 
um, brought in as an outside contractor in 1972, the Stanford Research Institute um, remained the CIA's steadfast partner until the end of the Stargate project. Over time, the SRI would produce dozens of classified documents, which would eventually be included in Project Stargate Freedom of Information Re uh, Act release. In their 1995 official assessment of the ability of remote viewing for information warfare, the SRI concluded that it was likely that remote viewing would prove of any use in intelligence gathering. Spookily, however, this assessment was not given because the SRI debunked psychological phenomenon in any way, but rather because it was of the suspected characteristics of the phenomenon. I'm going to read that again because that didn't make sense to me. In their 1995 official assessment of the utility of remote viewing for information warfare, the SRI concluded that it was unlikely that remote viewing would prove of any use in intelligence gathering. Okay. Spookily, however, this assessment was not given because of the debunked psychological phenomenon in any way, but rather because of the suspected characteristics of the phenomenon. <clears throat> so it wasn't about, you know, the, the disusefulness or the, you know, disusefulness of, of the action in, in this you know, being debunked or like not being real. It was about the the form in the, the information in which they gathered from the ability to use it within. The SRI found as had so many institutes that came before it, that you can't bottle the human mind, label it or sell it without funding. Stargate program died within months. <clears throat> okay, so here's the Yuri Geller situation. Yuri Geller comes in at number four. There's no one like Yuri Geller to get skeptics and believers throwing nonverbal fists in the YouTube comment section. Um, or verbal fist in the YouTube comment section. It seems like no other alleged psychic has been so routinely vindicated and debunked. The truth is, almost all of Geller's supposedly supernatural feats can be replicated with stage magic. Of course, Geller, who claims to be an alien consciousness, beamed from deep space, swears that he does his tricks with only his mind. There are a couple of reasons to believe his story. For one, Geller made his fortune not only by making eerily apt financial decisions, but also by helping various corporations scout for resources. Hmm. When the Project Stargate documents were declassified, it was revealed that Geller had been involved in the CIA in the 70s as a part of the SRI program. While some speculate that Geller was, and perhaps is, the leader of Mossad's psychological warfare operations, we do know that the CIA remained interested enough in Geller to send one of their remote viewers to take a look at him in September of 1990. So all the way up to 1990, this was happening. A dynamic... So this is number three, a dynamic psychokinesis experiment with Ingo Swan. Now, Ingo Swan was one of the main individuals that was a part of the original uh, experiments done by Puthoff, who started the uh, Project Grillflame situation. So Ingo was one of the most uh, capable of their remote viewers, apparently. And Ingo was another famous psi-sensitive employed by the CIA, which was a reported remote viewer who also exhibited other psychological phenomena such as psychokinesis. The majority of the Project Stargate experiments had to do with remote viewing because it was believed that this particular ability had the most tactical value. Okay, interesting. However, the CIA occasionally explored the mind's potential to directly affect physical matter, a phenomenon known as psychokinesis. In February 1976, the CIA took Swan to one of their affiliates um, to see if they has reported his psychologically sensitive could psychokinetically affect the results given by a random number generator. According to the report, the experiment was a success. So if he could affect the results that were supposed to be given by this number generator. So like, you know, we wanted to say 777 and, and it's a random number generator and somehow he makes it turn into 777 is what I'm taking from that. But I do, again, have the article here and I will include it in this week's 
Substack. <clears throat> now, you can get the Substack if you go to patreon.com slash redpillrevolt. <laughs> um, number two, an experimental psychic probe of the planet Jupiter. Now, we're, we're coming towards the end of this, but these are the, the number one and number two spots. Swan was afforded a special privilege during his years at the CIA. In 1973, he and fellow CIA remote viewer Harold Sherman were sent to Jupiter. While Swan was monitored by CIA personnel somewhere in the SRI laboratories in California, Sherman was relaxing in his specially built sensory deprivation tank at his home, hundreds of miles and two time zones away. Upon comparing their stories afterward by phone... <clears throat> Swan and Sherman were shocked to find out that the remote viewing sessions contained the same major details, even though no close-up photographs had ever been taken of Jupiter at the time. They both correctly identified the great red spot in the vast dark cloud which trails behind it. They reported that there were endless fields of suspended crystals glittering among the vast billowing clouds. The crystals reflected both the light of the sun and the vast electric storms on Jupiter's surface. Swan estimated that the surface lay some 193 kilometers below the clouds. The clouds themselves had many layers. So they basically, before we had ever had specific photographs of Jupiter, they predicted how Jupiter actually looked, and the, 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 down to the color spots that were on it, how the clouds looked, and the chemical makeup of these specific crystals that were within the clouds. Damn. <laughs> That's that's crazy. So number one, number one on this list here is the Oklahoma City bombing. Wow. So as with America's most, uh, as with America's other most memorable terrorist attacks, many have questioned the official narrative of the Oklahoma City bombing. In 1995, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols did devastating damage to a federal building in downtown Oklahoma City, claiming 168 lives. Released to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of the bombing, Jaina Davis, the third terrorist, questions whether Iraqi terrorists operating the, with the blessing of Iran may have actually organized the bombing. <clears throat> Though Davis's book was used as evidence shortly after publication as part of a congressional hearing into the Oklahoma City bombing, her theory was largely would be largely irrelevant if it weren't for the spookiest Project Stargate document of them all. On April 20th, 1995, the CIA received the following unsolicited intel from famed psi sensitive and CIA operative Joe McManeagle about the supposedly domestic terrorism event that had occurred just the day before. McManeagle related that five men, not two, were responsible for the incident and that their three were Arabic. Most chillingly of all, Joe identified the most likely country of origin for these former foreign Islamic terrorists, Iraq. The oddest part of the brief report is Mick Maneagle's conviction that a person named Carl would have something to do with the bombing. Disappointingly, for remote viewer believers, neither of the domestic terrors, terrorists nor their known accomplices was named Carl. And it's unlikely that any of the three Arabic accomplishments, accomplices geez, were named Carl either. Yet, Carl Spengler, an on-call physician at a nearby hospital, was the first responder on the scene of the bombing. The first person to view everything that had just unfolded. 
damn. That's, I literally just got chills. I'd like, <laughs> I don't know if you can see this on there, but my arm is just, that's creepy. That's crazy. So it leads me to believe that there is absolutely, if they're spending millions and millions of dollars on these things, there's absolutely something that was to it. There's a reason for it. And they had very many cases of positive results that came from this remote viewing. So if you're somebody who does not believe in, you know, the spiritual realm, in the idea of, you know, frequency or vibration of the universe or, you know, um, even down to these type of situations with remote viewing and, and, and being able to project your consciousness into other time, parts of time and space and reality and in front of other people and, 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 and engage with entities. And, you know, maybe if you're a hyperlogical person who's questioning those things and thinks they're full of shit, you should rethink that because the CIA, who's hyperlogical in their approach, had many, many, many positive outcomes from the experiments that they did they did with these psychological uh sensory type of uh telekinetic supernatural powers so maybe when you're laying in bed tonight after you listen to this podcast close your eyes and i want you to meet me on mars <laughs> and and we'll uh we'll see if we can connect with some aliens who can make sense of this world and, uh, and go from there because I, I'm really interested in this stuff. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't be after hearing all of that evidence and, and seeing how much money was poured into this and how many countries and how many situations and, and how many positive outcomes they had. You, you can't just look away. And, and to know that if they were doing these experiments back then, like, what are they doing now, right? Like, if they if, if they proved that these things are real and, and that there's positive outcomes that came from this, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, so, so many different situations that we can point to from this Project Stargate that were successes. They didn't just drop it, right? And, and again, maybe this led to us engaging with some type of entity who gave us these, you know, because if you look at what literally like the, the right after Project Stargate, like the nine early late 90s, cell phones, smartphones, Internet, uh, Bluetooth, like hundreds of, of technology improvements came from that time frame. And to think that it doesn't have to do with the CIA connecting with interdimensional beings who you know, can they, can speak with us on different planes of reality in, in different time space in the world that we know, in reality that we know, in the plane that we know, might be ignorant. And everything we might know might be fucking wrong if this is true. <laughs> so, you know, the first thing I would tell you to do that would help you get to a point where maybe you can start exploring these things is, you know, sit down and see if you can quiet your mind. You know, there's not literally nothing better for yourself than meditation. And, you know, it seems to me from what I've read, that there's uh, a lot of things that indicate that that's kind of the first step that these people took. So if you are interested in it, you know, sit in some damn silence every now and then and maybe see if you can uh, connect with some interdimensional beings. And, and I want to hear about it. So <clears throat> now. I think we're going to have to do a second part of this because I want to talk more about these things. And there's far more things to dive into and far more documents that we could go deeper into. There's even a document that I'm sitting here looking at that made me, um, you know, really question a lot about our reality. And, and it was written like in the 80s. It's it's really, really cool stuff. So I'm going to do a part two on this. 100% I'm going to do a part two on this. Now, the other thing I want to point out to you, just as I briefly have it up here, uh, is this um, Philadelphia experiment. Now go ahead and just Google that. It's the Philadelphia experiment. Allegedly, 
an entire Navy warship was made to disappear. Um, an entire Navy warship, the USS Eldridge, a cannon-class destroyer, um, and the plan was to create a force field so powerful it would render the ship invisible to both radar and the naked eye. Legend holds that hundreds of people saw the Philadelphia experiment with their own eyes, but over the years their claims have been dismissed and their stories have been covered up. The evidence of the event has been reduced to mere whispers. And to this day, the Navy denies that the Philadelphia experiment ever happened at all. So it's time to find out exactly what did happen that strange day in October and learn all the secrets of the Philadelphia experiment, the top secret Navy mission that the government says never even occurred. Now, if you would like to hear me talk about this last subject, I'm going to include it as the first post on the Patreon. So, if you're listening to this right now, you can listen to the, la the rest of this through the Patreon. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Experiment as our first post on the Patreon. And also head over there right now to sign up for one of those platforms so we can get onto the Discord server and talk about this crazy shit where I'm going to post some of these articles and post some of these topics and hear what you guys have to say about it. And also you'll be able to see the full video of this. You'll be able to see the Philadelphia project that we're about to jump into as well. That includes that for you guys um, in some pretty crazy stuff here. So patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash redpillrevolt. $5 is the first tier. You get the video episode, the full video episode that will no longer be on YouTube full video episode, you'll also get access to that Discord server for $5 a month. Definitely worth it. All right, looking forward to connecting with you guys there. And if you want to go even higher than that, you get the $15 a month package, which I would recommend because we're going to be doing weekly live videos talking about these specific subjects in a more uh, relaxed setting where you guys can engage and, and have comments and, and talk with me too. And we can have a live show every week towards the end of the week to discuss that week's topic along with current events that have happened up until that point. And then the last here is if you want to engage with me fully, get a follow on Instagram, get some you know voice chat back and forth between me and you talking about these topics. Again, I'm really interested to engage with you guys on this stuff. Um, and then also... Uh, you will get uh, a part of that uh, story. So, you know, I'll be including some more of my uh, more uh, controversial topics that we'll discuss on that close friend story that you'll only be able to be a part of at the third tier level at $44 a month. So any of those, I would appreciate it so much, even if it's just jumping on that Discord server and getting the full video episode for $5 a month. It would mean the world to me. Go ahead, head there right now, patreon.com slash redpillrevolt, and you will get the next part of this, which we will discuss the Philadelphia experiment in full. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, head over to patreon.com slash redpillrevolt to listen to the remainder of this episode, and I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much.